Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast. It's a home team edition. It's been so long. Very happy to have my collaborators, Cassidy Williams and C.R. Ford, back on the show. How's it been going, y'all? Pretty good. It's been great. I had a baby, so that, that's been a big deal. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank yes. you. Part of the hiatus was uh, a maternity leave, and much congratulations are in order. Thank you. She slept six hours the other night, so I feel like a champ. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who have not had kids yet, six hours stretch is everything. I, I I would have glorious. taken two hours, then four hours. You know, it's glorious six hours. Yeah, I bragged to everybody, yeah. <laughs> every single person. <laughs> Amazing. So while y'all were out of town, there was a few big, uh, you know, events. I got the chance to go to WWDC out in Cupertino, oh, nice. uh, which was pretty fun. If you haven't heard it yet, you can check out the podcast with some of the developers at Apple talking about what they released. So we've already done the deep dive on the software side. Let's talk about Apple Vision. Are you ready for a $3,500 spatial computer on your face? No. Oh. (laughs) First of all, a lot of this whole Apple Vision stuff looked a whole lot like it's just putting your phone in the air. Like it's a lot of 2D screens that just happen to be in front of you. And so I was hoping to be a bit more impressed on that Mm. end of things. But then the demos that they did of like an organ and like a race car and stuff being just like, wow, it's in the room with us. I'm on Cassidy's side. I would have expected something a little bit more. uh, I do think it's significant that Apple is taking this step though, because I feel like of like the big tech companies they're the ones that have like lagged behind with um the ar and the vr and all that kind of stuff so it is i wonder i'm more curious about what's in store for the future because apple seems like they stick more with the things that they create so i'm wondering if this is a precursor to like Mm. more things they'll do in this space which that to me is interesting I mean, yeah, I'll steal man the argument, as they say on the pods. Uh, I'll try to make the case. So when the iPhone came out, people Mm -hmm. were like, why do I need all of this? You know, I can get Mm -hmm. a phone for a hundred bucks. It does everything I want. Like, you know, all the bells and whistles. And then, you know, once they got their hands on it, they were like, yes, I needed a computer and email and a camera on my phone. Like, this is the jam. But to be fair, like you said, you know, AR and VR, lots of folks have tried it at different price points and in different form factors. And so far, you know, they, I think they sold something like 10 million headsets last year. So it's like not nothing, but it's a small sub cohort of folks. And then, yeah, to the point about like HoloLens or Magic Leap and Cassidy, what you mentioned about everything being like 2D. So what they said was they can take any like, you know, Mac or iOS app and move it over. First, it just shows up flat. And then if you as a developer want to, you get to add volume or you get to add mm-hmm. motion or you get to all these other things. They're hoping and they, you know, they, they released, you know, different tools for developers to do this, that when folks port their apps over or build them natively, that they'll take more advantage, like you said, of like, hey, this is in space, you know, but also they want to pre-populate it with stuff, right? So it's just like any app, you can just kind of flat screen it on there and you can interact with it. Right. Um, and then they're hoping that people will actually sort of lean into the spatial side. I have to say, I do like that it can handle gestures and stuff like like the pinching mm-hmm. and everything. That being said, as I saw it, I was like, oh, this is straight out of Google Glass. 
10 mm-hmm. years ago, which was right. kind of funny to see because I have a dusty Google Glass in my desk drawer wow. right over here because I was one nice. of those. I think pushing it as something that like just your everyday person can use and enjoy and have fun with is not smart because everyday person is not going to spend $3,000 for like something like this. That's essentially like a plaything. But right. I think that this could have a big impact especially in medicine and education. Mm. And I would be much more excited if I saw more of a push on that front um, as far as like, imagine like being a medical student and instead of having to be like in the operation room, you could do something with a VR headset or something like that instead. Like those are the kind of things that I could imagine would be like, okay, yeah, I could see like some university paying like 3k to have a bunch of these in a classroom and like have people like use them for these kind of cases. But opposed to someone who's just, who likes expensive toys paying for like this kind of thing, just for something. I think that's totally right. Yeah. To both of your points. I mean, the folks over at Apple, they're no dummies. They're, uh, you know, the the most valuable company (laughs) in the world and they've sold a lot of hardware, right? They know at a $3,500 price point, it's not going to be mainstream, right? I mean, right. the iPhone initially came out, it was, it, people were like, oh, it's six, $700. Do I need this? And then it was like, well, if you sign up for a new, you know, plan with your carrier, now it's $200. And, you know, like, then right. it became like, hey, if you change carriers, you get a free phone. And, you know, so it's like, there right. are ways for people to get an iPhone that, that didn't end up costing a lot. And, you know, like you said, almost everybody in this day and age is like, I need a mobile phone of some kind. That had already been decided, right? right? Like everyone had a phone, what kind of phone, whereas, you know, everyone does not have VR, AR, anything, right? It's still pretty fringe. I think that they'd been working on it for so long that they had to release something. And like, it was kind of known. Mm. Like why, after Mm. all that effort and all that time, and I saw so many people who worked on the project celebrating on Twitter after like, I have been working on this for like eight years. (laughs) Somebody said, and like, now I can finally share it with the world. And you know, it's like, just get it out there. See, you know, how it does or doesn't do. Let the power users adopt it. And like, yeah, maybe in medicine or maybe in gaming or maybe in architecture, you know, they like kind of love it. And then they have to hope that one, two, three, four years down the line, we can cut the price in half uh, mm. or the size in half and then cut the price in half again or the size in half again. Like that's what they have to hope. Yeah. Uh, they know that, I mean, people don't spend $3,500 on a computer. That's a high end, you know, pro computer. That's not even what a laptop costs. So I'm sure they understand like where it sits in the market at this moment. They hope that people will try it, feel like it's magic and that this is like the tip of the iceberg, you know, for whatever they're doing in, in R&D. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I also noticed how they didn't use like the term metaverse or anything like that. They barely used like AR, VR, XR, any, any of those mixed reality type terms. They used branded spatial computing and stuff Mm. like that, which I think is very intentional on their part, both for marketing, but also just for that space. So that way, as they release it and then figure out like, who wants to use it the most, whether it be like the architecture angle, the medical angle, what have you, they can kind of have the terms owned in those spaces. Mm, Yeah. Interesting. I will say, I think like of all the, the bigger tech companies, like looking at like Facebook and Google in comparison to Apple, I do think Apple is very smart with the strategy they use for marketing their products and things like that. 
So I don't think that this is going to be like a flop. Like, <laughs> I don't think this is going to be something that is 1000% like not successful. And this was a waste of everyone's time. Right. Um, I just think we have to wait and see how this evolves. And I, I might sound like I'm being pessimistic or like a hater, but I'm really not. Like, I do think that this has <laughs> right. potential. And if anyone's going to take it somewhere, then it's going to be Apple, in my opinion. It's hard because the bar is so high, right? Like, I remember when Apple Watch came out and I was just like, do I need all this? And now they're extremely common and extremely affordable and people have them for different reasons. Like, you know, I know older folks who have them just like for heart rate and sleep and like that's all they do with them, you know, and otherwise it's just a watch. And some people like, you know, use them for notifications or, you know, hiking or biking or like, you know, a million different things. But anyway, my point being like, yeah, kind of it has to find its purpose and they probably don't expect to sell, you know, I think tens of millions of these like they do with other devices right away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that the Microsoft HoloLens is the closest thing to it. Right. But they're being branded as such different devices and stuff. So, it, yeah, I think we'll see in the next few years how things change. Okay. Cool. All right. Let me steer us towards a new topic. So, we had uh, the annual developer survey come out. And there's lots of great stuff in there. 90,000 people took it, you know, some interesting changes in what languages folks are using, all that kind of stuff. But we did a deep dive on AI because that's the topic du jour. And interestingly, you know, found that a lot of developers feel pretty positive about it, that it increases productivity, speeds up learning, you know, improves accuracy, those kinds of things. And that a lot of them are trying them out at home or at work, but that they don't trust the output like the output is something that you know is a starter or whatever and then you have to go in and fiddle with it which is fine same for when you copy and paste from stack overflow but just curious to get both of your take from folks you're talking to in the industry from personal experience or you know from what you're sort of observing how are these ai tools being adopted and to what degree is there like hype or kind of substance to it yeah I'll say I think that a lot of people are looking into them. And I've said this before, but I definitely think this has more promise than some of the other like trends we've seen in the industry, like with Mm -hmm. crypto and NFTs and stuff. I do think there's a lot of overhype. I do. Because you don't know how many articles I've come across that have been like, is AI going to replace everybody? (laughs) (laughs) Which to me is like a bit of fear mongering and things like that. I also do think we need to be a bit more cautious with some of the ways that we're trying to apply AI. I've also seen a lot of like weird investments in AI companies that haven't really done anything. But oh, yeah. Because they have mm-hmm. that AI like spicy word. There was this French company. It's like yeah. two, three people. They were formerly from DeepMind or Meta, all of them. And they got like $150 million. It's just like, we're going to build the best AI. We're going to do it better than everyone else. What? And that's essentially <laughs> it. And they've raised like all that money. Yeah. And that to me is like, gosh, okay. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't okay. have a new original idea. They were just like, trust us, we'll do it better than everybody else. And it's like, the three of you? Really? Right. Why? <laughs> Why the three of you? Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that's kind of like, uh, I don't know if this makes so much sense. But I think that what we're seeing is AI being used more as a tool to enhance the work that we do instead of necessarily like replacing a whole development team. I think it's really silly how in some, not even necessarily like in the tech industry, just like in our world today, I've heard of a lot of like people being fired or departments being downsized because they're like, AI is going to do this for us now. Like, I don't think that's necessarily smart. I think we still very much so need actual people to do some of these things. I think that more so than anything, I see AI being 
more of a, a tool like Google or Stack Overflow that's going to help us do our jobs better. But no one would ever say like, oh, Stack Overflow means that we don't need developers anymore. We don't need as many developers anymore. Like, no, it's just going to help us to move faster and work more efficiently. So that's kind of like how it is in my mind. But I'm happy to hear what everyone else thinks. What you just said reminds me of a headline I saw over the past couple of weeks where there was like some crisis hotline that laid off all of its workers because they had AI to respond. And then one week later, they were just like, we've turned <laughs> off the bot because it ended up being a racist or something like that. Yeah. Where it, right. you, Unfortunately, you can't trust it yet because there's edge cases. And, and so I, I do think that there are elements of like prompt engineering. There's elements of like human assisted AI stuff that I do think is very helpful. And I think using AI as a tool, like something like GitHub Copilot, for example, mm-hmm. is really useful because it can get you part of the way there as long as you are guiding it. But just letting the AI do an entire job, that's something that I don't trust yet. And I think companies have to earn that level of trust. I was talking yeah. to this founder who was accepted into Y Combinator for this next batch. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was saying that his team is making something that generates entire code environments based on what you want. And and you can say like, okay, I want to add a database to this, or I want to add tests to that. And as I was talking with him, I was saying, this sounds cool, but I don't trust it in any way, shape or form. And and so like, I would need to, I would need to see a whole lot of outputs and see how much it actually helps me before I've leaned into the product and said, this is a part of my like monthly workflow and, and cost centers. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So I think uh, we can move on to our next topic. I personally have been the crypto bull in the past um, (laughs) and other folks have not been as bullish. And the SEC, which is the Securities and Exchange Commission here in the United States, recently announced some pretty big actions against some of the biggest exchanges to the point where they're basically saying, we're going to have to fight this out in court. Some people are being, you know, charged with serious crimes and other people are saying, you know, if we can't sort of come to a resolution of this, we're just going to have to leave the United States. Like the United States will no longer be a place, you know, that like has crypto companies, at least not at scale. So yeah, curious to get your take if you've been hearing this or, you know, if you have friends who went into crypto or still in there, it, it feels like this is, you know, sort of kicking somebody when they're down. Like the crypto industry is already kind of in a winter and now like the government which yeah. allowed certain companies to have IPOs and allowed them, you know, to do business for years is now like you're basically an illegal business. What are well, this is a this opens the discussion generally on what you're hearing in crypto or what you're feeling. Yeah, this is definitely feels like kicking someone while they're already down. Like as much as I kind of like hated on crypto, I'll call it hating this time. <laughs> I would never like wish this on any of them. Like, Mm -hmm. especially to this degree. I think the thing that I've seen the most with the people I used to like keep up with or follow or like some colleagues who were into crypto, um, if they haven't left that behind completely, they probably focused more on blockchain as a technology instead of the application of it in crypto. Mm. The thing that I'm thinking of when I hear this is I wonder if something similar may happen to certain AI companies in the future. Right. And I say this because not even necessarily in tech itself, but more so like when we look at AI's application to things like music and art and like writing scripts and books and things like that. I wonder if it's going to come to a point where 
some entity is like, we would like to sue this company because they've used my art, my music, my whatever Mm -hmm. to create their product. And the government will have to step in and be like, no, we're not allowing this anymore. You're no longer legally able to function as a company. Right. Um, that's the only thing that I really can think of. But otherwise, this just sounds terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, it's, yeah. and like, I do think that some of the crypto stuff was very scammy and maybe kind of like targeting vulnerable people. But I yeah. still, it makes me kind of sad to see that something like this happening. I think it's it's definitely the result of a whole lot of regulators who don't fully understand the technologies uh, mm-hmm. in general, uh, whether we're talking about the AI side or, or the crypto side, where for a long time, people were kind of getting away with it in terms of the good and the bad and, right. and how fast they were able to build, innovate, change, scam, not scam, that that sort of thing. Right. And now that the SEC has kind of caught up on that knowledge end, they're just like, oh, wait, we got to slap some regulations on this. Oh, yeah. And I have a feeling that's the same thing with AI. That's the same thing with, with all kinds of different technologies where it certainly helps to have someone who's knowledgeable in the room yeah. be able to explain the technology so that it can be regulated in a safe way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the legislation, right, is always going to lag behind the technology. That's kind of inevitable. And in this case, it was a technology and industry where a lot of people basically started gambling. And so, you know, that I think is like kind of part of it too, right? Like there was a big upswing and everyone was like, crypto seems great. And companies went public and the SEC allowed that. And now everyone has lost a lot of money and they're like, crypto is wrong. Like somebody, (laughs) somebody must be punished for this. And it's kind of like, well, all right. You know, you should have done that like two years ago when everybody was hyping the coins and buying them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Before they mortgaged the house. like It's like that ship has sailed. So it really feels like overkill at this point. Right. I wish that instead of like using it to still like, let's just punish these people like extremely, like punish them really badly. I wish they would take this as a learning experience and then be like, let's try to apply this to some other emerging technologies to see if we can prevent like more harm being done in mm. AI, for example. It's just fascinating how little the people who make the regulations know about the technologies like you mentioned, Cassidy. I don't right. know if you guys kept up with the whole trial with TikTok, but like... It's it's <laughs> embarrassing. It yeah. is. It really, Will really TikTok is. connect to my home Wi-Fi and send data <laughs> over it? Oh, gosh. It's like, like, well, I watched like a clip of a stream that uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, not trying to make this political, but she made a statement that kind of stuck with me where she said, you don't know how difficult it is to explain what live streaming and Twitch is to someone who like had a brand new TV when TVs were coming out. Right. I was like, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. It's very interesting. I've talked about this before, about how just generally in our world as a whole, there's a like huge lack of understanding of how technology works. And as much as we use it, right. there's like the knowledge people have is not proportional to how much it plays a mm. part in our daily lives, which I feel yeah. like maybe we should try doing something about that eventually. I don't know, like how many people had like computers classes in school right. that would teach you like how to use Microsoft Word and stuff like that. We need like an update of that that actually talks about how the web works. Because you don't know how many times, even with like people who are like in their early 20s will say like stuff that I'm like, no, <laughs> like, this doesn't work like that at all. Like, and it's the stakes are even higher when it comes to these things like the government questioning, like political officials questioning the CEO of TikTok about right. like, stuff and asking him questions that just make no sense, which probably has a lot to do with the fact that a lot of those people in those hearings are like super, super old. 
But yeah, I think it just not kind that of we're against old people. Old no, people we're not against old people. But <laughs> if you're gonna make laws, you better educate yourself on how right. something works. It's yeah. hard to like, know everything about everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I think this exposes a huge lack in education that we maybe have to try a little bit harder to fill the gaps and like a lot of us like Cassidy and I do a lot of like education work for developers but we got to figure out something for non-developers to like kind of at least be able to have semi-coherent conversations about this kind of stuff because like it doesn't seem like that big of a deal until you realize these are the people who could possibly be making laws about like AI and TikTok and what apps we can and can't use. Totally. I will say one thing that's interesting about AI is that it came out of the gate, a lot of these companies with a ethics team and sort of like a impact team built in, which was not true of social media, you know, when that came out or, you know, mobile devices, like they were just like, we got new technology, like, I hope you like it. And now they're like, technology like really can, you know, impact the world at a global scale. So we better think about this before we release it, which is interesting. Not to say that that they're going to solve the problems, but like, for where we are in terms of AI adoption, it feels like the conversation about regulation, self-regulation and government regulation actually proceeded pretty quickly, right? Yeah. Like we're already yeah. talking about it. It's like, I would say if, if 100 million people have used ChatGPT, that's not a big slice of the world. Yeah, I will say I definitely feel like more people have been raising red flags with AI compared yeah. to social media when it first like became right. a thing. Are people listening? Eh. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I've heard some like kind of icky stories about some of these like ethics teams, ethics and AI teams that work for these big companies that like got completely fired and things like right. that. But we are, I would say, very aware of a fraction of the damage that AI could potentially cause if we don't use it correctly. Right. Are we taking the right preventative measures to mm. be determined? I don't know about that yet. We've been trained by pop culture movies and and comic books and and (laughs) sci-fi novels to be afraid of AI. So we come in intuitively thinking, better watch out for this thing that seems smarter than me sometimes. I had to kind of explain to my parents where it's like, it's not like the AI is going to come alive and take over the world like in the sci-fi movies. It's how people use the AI in ways that we don't want them to and Mm -hmm. do not great things if we're not careful. Right. And they're like, what do I do with the AI? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like kind of mad about the Avengers, the second movie, Age of Ultron becoming like, I think it like broke a billion dollars or something like that. Because Ultron is basically like an AI that turns sentient and like ruins the whole world. So (laughs) I'm probably pretty sure that's a huge reason why a lot of people like look at AI the way they do. How many billions of dollars have been invested in AR glasses because people want to be like Tony Stark? You know, they just want that <laughs> yeah, scene where exactly. they're like, and I move the computer around my hands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Minority like, report. Well, optics and glass, you know, like yeah. no programming can solve that. Yeah. All right, everybody. It is that time of the show. Let's shout out somebody who came on Stack Overflow, shared a little knowledge and helped to save a question from the dustbin of obscurity. Awarded June 12th to Bruno Brandt. Where can I view link source code? Well, if you've been curious about that question, Bruno has an answer for you and won a lifeboat badge. Congrats, Bruno. You've helped over 14,000 people. We really appreciate it. As always, I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Email us with questions or suggestions, podcast at Stack Overflow. And if you like the show, you could leave us a rating or a review because it really helps. 
My name is Sierra Ford, and I'm a developer advocate over at Okta. Um, you can find me on Twitter. My username there is Sierra. That's C-E-E-O-R-E-O underscore. And I also have a blog. You can find that at Sierra.dev. And I'm Cassidy Williams. You can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O on most things. And I'm CTO at Contenda. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.